Hello, and welcome back to the Noah Gantz Show on the Road. I'm your host, Noah Gantz. Today is September 4th, 2020, and we have a very special episode today with a very special guest, so stick around to see who that is. So what I want to talk about today is the supposed rise in violence in our cities and how that is becoming more of a mainstream issue in the election, uh, I would say, uh, rivaling that of coronavirus, in fact. So I think this really st has stemmed from the 24-hour news coverage of these riots and protests in cities and the subsequent violence that follows. Uh, coverage on it has definitely not been lacking, uh, and we're seeing it all across America. Uh, however, there is an overarching narrative that these cities are becoming increasingly violent on a day-to-day -day level, that robberies are going up, murders are going up, and that is a harder thing to contest. So if you look at actual crime trends, you'll see all across the board, uh, whether it be robberies, uh, murder, arson, it has all been going down pretty steadily since the 90s. Uh, I mean, recently there has been an uptick due to these riots, of course. However, as a general trend on a day-to-day -day level, uh, th these trends have been going down. Uh, and this counteracts the narrative that particularly people on the right are trying to push. Uh, however, mainstream Democrats also uh, often use terms such as urban violence or gang violence to uh, try and garner support in whatever narratives or initiatives they're trying to push. There is a point to be made about how rioting is uh, very violent, obviously, in these cities. And yes, you could say riots are on the rise, and the, these particular violent nights are on the rise. However, day-to-day -day crime, like I said, has been going down consistently. I think it's mainly a problem, as I was discussing uh, earlier this week, how these cities have become battlegrounds. Uh, people will drive in hours away. You saw this in Portland, where hundreds of uh, far-right members came into Portland and pretty much went there to counter-protest. This does nothing, but obviously make the riots worse, because if there's more people there fighting, there'll be more violence, of course. But much of the narrative on the right has been that these are Democrat-run cities that are falling apart. And like I said, yes, there's riots happening, and I do believe in many cases these riots are handled extremely poorly, but as far as day-to-day -day crime goes, it's going down. However, that doesn't stop the right from claiming that these cities are constantly crime-ridden, uh, and crime is going up. And it'll be interesting, because... You'll, you'll see things like, if you don't like the riots, don't vote Biden. However, if you think about it, all the riots are happening under Trump right now. So I don't understand how people make the argument that Biden has anything to do with this, even after he's denounced the riots in pretty much the same way Trump has. I think more of the blame could be sent towards Trump. I mean, it's... It, it, it's it's no secret that he's the most divisive president in our uh, recent history, and it seems like whenever he has a new thing to say, it just makes the riots worse, it makes people more upset, makes people more divided. So I don't think you can blame Biden on these riots at all. I, I think Trump is handling uh, his response to this horribly by not being a unifying figure, which is what we need right now. And which is what I think most people see Biden uh, as his main appeal.
So, for this next segment, I would like to uh, give a warm welcome to a Wesley Snyder to the show. Uh, I hope that all of my listeners will uh, show him some support, as he himself is a longtime listener of the show. Wesley, why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks, Noah. I'm Wesley. I'm a longtime listener and friend. I'm a big fan of the show. Thanks for having me. So, Wesley, what I wanted to talk to you about was a story out of Brazil. Uh, Brazil, uh, as you know, is a, a crazy soccer fanatic uh, country. They love their soccer there. Uh, can't say the same in the United States, but uh, regardless. They just announced that for their professional uh, athletes, um, men and women will now be paid the same amount. So I know there's a lot of discussion on uh, people saying they should get paid proportionally to the money they bring in. Uh, other people say that they should all be paid equally. Um, I want to know, uh, what's your take on this, Wesley? W what is your insight onto this? First off, I would like to know if these national teams for soccer are even, you know, businesses or they're all government-owned, government-sponsored, um, because that could be a huge, important note in discussing whether someone should get paid relative to the value they bring in, because for businesses, obviously, that is that is true, but for government-sponsored programs, it's a different story. That's an interesting point you bring up. Uh, I personally do not know, uh, but let me ask you this. Whether the team is government-owned or privately-owned uh, as a business, uh, what would the difference be as a thought experiment uh, in your eyes? I would say when we're talking about government-run, government-sponsored programs, um, it's pretty reasonable to see these types of things come out where, you know, the women's team and the men's team, you know, move towards equal pay simply because, you know, money isn't the end goal. It's a government, you know, sponsored event. We talk about stuff like Title IX in America. Similar things are certainly in place in countries like Brazil that come into play when you're talking about government funds. And um, I think it's a decent place to go overall. When we talk about the private sector, however, and large football clubs like Barcelona, Manchester United, we certainly have to keep in, a, keep in our minds the revenue these players bring in from advertising, you know, uh, jersey sales. I mean, the numbers are, you know, we hear about players like Neymar Jr., Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, they're mind-boggling. These, these guys are in the early 20s and they're getting hundreds of million dollars over a couple years you know that money has to come from somewhere and it, it's all coming from revenue ostensibly, ostensibly made by these players directly or indirectly either in club earnings or sponsorships jersey sales that type of stuff and it's it can be pretty unreasonable to talk to these clubs and say your female teams have to be as paid as your male teams simply because of the outrageous numbers involved. And this either means wage cuts for the male players with equal bonuses for the female players, or you raise the female players' wages and these clubs really can't survive. You talk about clubs like Barcelona where they're paying hundreds of millions of dollars per year in male player salaries, obviously it's kind of mind-boggling and we, we can reasonably ask why so much, why these people make so much money, but, you know, it's a, a real big 
other element to consider when talking about private clubs, privately owned businesses. I think you bring up a, a really good point. Uh, I mean, it's it's obvious that these players are bringing in quite a lot of money. Uh, a question I would ask, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, is if we did start to fund um, these female clubs, these female teams, these female players, to uh, perhaps not the extent that the most highest paid male athletes are, but if we did start to pay them a good, reasonable salary, and we did start investing in these players and these clubs more, would they eventually get to a point where they are bringing in more money? Uh, that That's the question I would be interested to hear your thoughts on. It's a really interesting question. Um, when we talk about the value these players have financially at these private clubs, you know, it really is from the ground up being the fans, their support, you know, there's really just less interest socially in these uh, women's clubs where, you know, they don't have the viewership, they don't have the the revenue, they don't have the jersey sales, um, and really it, it's a difficult decision for a business to make investing in facilities, investing in their youth programs, if really the the market doesn't reward it if the interest isn't there and more money can be earned investing in men's sports you know that's where businesses will invest and um, as long as we live in a in a free economy then that's how it's gonna go interesting yeah well um thank you uh you've given us so much to think about here on the show uh, but that is going to wrap it up for today. Uh, if you like Wesley, uh, you're in luck because he will be the special guest on the show tomorrow as well. Uh, remember, the show is hosted on both Spotify and YouTube, and I hope you all have a great rest of your day.